Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Pages, episode number two. Can you believe it? Well, this one I'm particularly excited for uh, because this author, first of all, wins the award for the coolest name ever, Huckleberry Ra. That's actually her name as well. I think I talk about that on the podcast. But especially excited, fantastic author, um, both published and indie, uh, fantastic works i've read one of uh huckle's novels as well great read all the links for this will be um on the on the on the page for the podcast and on the book cream website which you can find at bookcream.co.uk uh and without further ado i'll I'll start the podcast thank you very much so um in terms of the name of this podcast so where i am now this part of my house here it's sort of semi under the stairs right and I was going to call this podcast Under the Stairs with GD Sills. And after thinking about it for a good 20 minutes, I was like, nah, that sounds a bit weird, that. I better not use that. So I'm going to change it to something else. I was toying with the Beyond the Pages. What do you think? You think it's a bit corny or a bit heavy? I like Beyond the Pages because we're writing books. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go. You've settled it for me. That's what I'll call it then from now on. So, yeah, on, beyond the pages. I own all the rights to that, by the way. Sorry, Buckle, you, you can't have all the rights. But the name I don't it. want to steal it from you. The other one sounds slightly Harry Potterish, and you don't want to go there. <laughs> beyond the pages is much better. Yeah, absolutely, for sure, for sure. Perfect. So I'm GD Sills, and I'm here today with Huckleberry Ra, a um, fabulous author. And I'm really excited to do this because we've got plenty to talk about. Um, and go through which is which is really good so we're kind of going to go through you and your works kind of you know your inspiration for writing where that comes from and the difficulties of it is there's a there's a bit of a theme of resilience as well that i want to put across to people so like you know when you get stuck how do you overcome that overcome mistakes setbacks feedback that that kind of thing so nothing too heavy and like i say it's all pretty conversational do you know what i should have done before we started recording this is asked you a key question which is uh, is my sound coming across all right? Because I didn't even check that with you. Oh, yeah, you're coming across. It sounds like you're sitting right in my kitchen with me. Wow. Okay, excellent. Right, well, I'm pretty happy with that then. We know it's working. That's good. Excellent. Great stuff. So, perfect. So, to start then, I'll be truly British. How's your day been? All right? It's been great. Fantastic. Kids made it to school. Husband's at work. Home alone. Oh, oh an empty house as well. And that nearly never happens to me. <laughs> And a week before the end of my semester and summer school starts so this is like this freedom fantastic that's oh, ace yeah absolutely love it and is this key writing time for you now when you're in the house alone or is this just key getting anything else done in that time i have a book i'm arc reading and then i have uh two books that i wrote that i want to just read through and clean up mm-hmm and so that I'm going to be reading. The house is quiet. <laughs> yes. Once I get through all the reading, then I might go back to writing. But right now it's like I can write with the TV on. I can write with people. I can write. I can write while watching TV. But reading, I need to really focus on what I'm reading. So that's interesting. I'm pretty much the opposite. So I have to have absolute isolation for writing to concentrate and get into the groove of it but for reading i can read pretty much anywhere i've never mastered reading and walking i read about people doing that all the time sit online oh i was reading this book can you do that as well can you read and walk and i said never mastered i'm too clumsy no way i just fall over being i can read for fun while all this stuff is going on but if i'm reading 
like cleaning up a book and I want to make sure the sentences all flow or I want to get the sentence structure better. Mm -hmm. Critical reading, critique reading, beta reading, that I have to do in silence. If I'm just reading for fun though, it doesn't matter. I can do that. It's like a different part of my brain. Absolutely. But critique reading where I'm trying to fix things. So if you sent me a chapter and said, hey, can you critique this? I would have to have the TV off. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that, that makes sense then. Yes, it depends on the, the medium of which is required from you. Now that, that, that absolutely makes sense. Right now, as you're drinking from a mug, very important question before we go into your works, what you've done, why you do it and all the rest of it. Tea and coffee. I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you. Coffee maker is right there. It's a beautiful, it grinds it, it presses it. It is, it's not like what I saw in your video. Oh, no, no, absolutely. No, in my kitchen, it's typically instant coffee is used. We do have a, we do have a coffee machine. We do have a coffee machine, but it's not, it's not a fancy pants one like yours that is, you know, all singing, all dancing. Did you ever read The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? No, I know of it. I think I've seen the film, but I've not seen the book. I've read in the, the book, book. They, um, they talk about coffee a lot. And in the third book, they go into an apartment and they say she has a Jura C5, the Cadillac of coffee makers. This is a Jura C9, oh. which is just a couple of steps up from that one. And it's, it's not new. I've had it for a while, but it will make espresso. It'll make coffee. It'll, I can make a cappuccino. I can make a latte. It's, it's wow. a lovely machine. Wow. That sounds absolutely fantastic. So with ours, what you can do is you can, you can have a cappuccino, you can have a latte, you can have a hot chocolate, but it's one of the ones where you've got to put the little pod things in and they're just, they're just never quite as good as you hope it will be. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, my friends come over and I make them coffee and they're like, oh, so good. You've probably impacted their life in a big way because when they go home, they're not going to have a coffee as good as your coffee machine makes it, which makes their entire kitchen inferior um, regarding coffee. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm more of a tea drinker than I am a coffee drinker, naturally, be, being British. Built, built an empire on it, you know what I mean, with, with tea. Um, I'm a bit of a tea snob, though. You've got to have decent tea bags. That is absolutely key. Uh, this, is, um, this is crimson berry tea, which comes out red. So when I first put it into the hot water, the little strainer, it looks like the tail of my little squirrel is bleeding into my house. <laughs> video next time and i'll send it to you so you can see the tail bleeding into the hot water is it see a squirrel bleeding out into your tea yeah absolutely no i'm really excited to see that um i think it'll look really sinister for sure but no i like a fruity tea i don't mind fruity tea at all but we used to just tea bagging it little pyramid twine you it straight in and that's typically what we do now there is there is a big thing that i keep seeing and i wasn't aware of this until very recently about the whole microwave in the water thing. That that's crazy. Have you got a kettle yet? Have you invested in a kettle? My coffee maker can boil water. Right. But so then that... I told quite clearly by Danielle that wasn't good enough. So then if that's not good enough, I went back to my microwave. Oh no, that's worse. The microwave, the microwave is a big step up using the coffee machine as a substitute for I was told it wasn't good enough. I was told not good enough. 
And if it's not good enough, if I'm still going to be razzed by <laughs> all my non-American friends. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm pro How many people in my writers groups are not American? Over half. Wow. It's yeah. No, there's a good mix in a lot of them, isn't there? A good mix of where people, which I think is the best thing. You've got to have a bit of culture and a bit of everyone in different time zones. And I think it's great doing it that way, for sure. But yeah, anyway, parking the whole tea thing. So kettle for tea. <laughs> um, but your coffee machine sounds absolutely fantastic. So moving on to your works. Do you want to go through it and explain in chronological order your works, what you've released, because I and I, I'm excited so well. I'll let you get on with doing that because I've read one of your books. So you read Wolf Healer. I did, yeah. And and um yeah, anyway, but before I go through Wolf Healer, give me the chronological order of your books that are released to date, uh, and the ones that you've done. I've released Wolf Healer and Epsilon, and Al Alphas will come out in July. And that's the third yes. the series, isn't it? That's the third. And the following three. I was going to push them out pretty quickly, but I'm not certain because my two editors, <laughs> you gotta go on their time frame. I write really fast, but I want the editing done well. And they are amazing, the two people who edit for me. And I don't wanna push them faster than they can edit because they edit. I'm not the only person they edit for. They also write. They also have their own works. And they also have full-time jobs. And so I'll have to slow it down. Um, my Jade Chronicle, Jane Stone Chronicle series kind of is like two trilogies. So the first three, she's in high school. The second three, she's in college. Um, so I really do want the first three out because I think the third one, Alphys, is really, really an important end of the first three. And I think it has a lot of really good bits in it. I think the third one really is the best. Um, and then I think I can push off the next three a little bit. My dad always asks, most authors only put out their books once a year or so. Why are you pushing it? And I'm like, well, I'm not traditionally published. And I can go faster and I want to keep interest. So going a little faster makes sense, but I don't need to go as fast as I was going. Perfect. No, that makes uh, absolute sense. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one because I've released one book so far and that took me two years to, to put all that together. And it, you know, it was a, from, from absolute start to finish two years from, from putting the pen to the first piece of paper to, to holding it two years, which is, which is quite some time. And everyone's different in the way they do things. I think turning them out quickly is definitely not a bad thing, except for your editors, of course, um, who've definitely got their own life and other things that they need to be getting on with. Um, but yeah, it is, it's, it's quite an interesting one. Um, so we've got these three out just now. I think when you do those three, and then you, you I think that'd be a good opportunity just to take a break, you know what I mean? And then leave that gap, focus on those three, but of course, make everyone aware you've got these next three coming up and, and so on and so on. And I might, I have a short story. Everything is in Jade's point of view, mm -hmm. but there is a critical moment in book three about two of the other characters. And I have a short story so you've read the books. I have a short story in Bevan's point of view. I have a lot of short stories on my website that happen before the first book ever takes place. But I have a short story that happens before, but 
that actually happens in the middle of book three in Bevan's point of view um, that I can't put out if you haven't read book three because I would like spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I might have it and I have to figure out how to do all this. Being self-published, you have to figure everything out on your own or find, the writing community is amazing and you can find people who will help you. But I might have it where if you pre-order or buy book four, you get the short story for free so that you can get that short story. And instead of putting it on my website, you get that sent to you. And I think you need to have book funnel to do something like that so that it can be a Mobi file so you can get on your Kindle. Um, but the short story, like I said, it's in, it, it kind of answers a question that as you read the book, it, it you're like, oh, that okay. I kind of see what happens, but not really. But then when you read it in Bevan's point of view, you go, oh, now that all makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely. No, that, that that's absolutely that absolutely makes sense. And it, so, so if you were to now, I, I, this is one of the questions that I think as an author, no author likes to be asked, but to summarize your work and what it's about, it's always the toughest job, isn't it? You know, when you you come to write a blurb or you come to do a synopsis, that kind of thing, I find them really challenging to write. I can write your book all day long, but as soon as it comes to that, I'm like, oh no, it's not a blurb and a synopsis. But um, in short, um, if you were to condense it down and uh, and basically explain what your series is about. What would it? What, what would it I don't know what the whole series is about because as I was writing more and more into it, like four and five and six, I started wondering if Bevan isn't more of the main character than Jade. They both become it. When I started book one, I thought Bevan was more of a throwaway character. I'm horrible at throwaway characters. They take over more than any other character. I thought it was going to be all about Jade and Sarah being best friends. And Sarah is through, she stays throughout, but she kind of falls back a bit. She isn't as prevalent as Bevan is because Bevan becomes just very important in Jade's life. Um, but really the first three books are just Jade figuring out high school, who she is, and with like people who haven't read the first book, you know, she has her life completely mapped out for the first third of the book. Then she goes on spring break and things that happen in Florida do not stay in Florida. She becomes Florida guy versus Florida guy. And her life just gets turned up, upside down and she has to reevaluate and change her whole life. And can she stay in her werewolf pack or her pack accept her? Her friends do. Um, I think one of my skills as a writer is being able to write characters and the emotions and the character relationships and just how they interact. And so her friends support her very well and help her figure out her new path. Um, in the second book, if you have you've seen the cover, there's, and it says this a little bit on the back, there's a second small girl on the cover. They find a girl who is found by the side of the road. And her parents are found, the report is found dead in their car, attacked by some wild animal. 
And the parents are like, oh, I wonder if she was bitten too. And is this really bad? Because in at least the world that I built, kids shouldn't become werewolves. And so they have to try to figure this out. Meanwhile, people back home start getting attacked and it's kind of navigating that. So it's more of a mystery than the first book is. Mm-hmm. And then the third book kind of has two parts to it. One is Jade finishing her junior year. Her friend Sarah convinces her she needs to join track because she needs something non-academic on her college resumes. Because in your third year of high school is when you start applying to universities. Um, And in the first book, I very much set it up that she's very klutzy, always falling. I mean, in chapter two, she's running and she ends up falling. So the idea that she joins track is just hilarious because the whole school knows she falls all the time. Um, But this is like what Sarah has decided she should do. but then she also wants to go and visit colleges. So the first half is school and the second half is her visiting colleges. So it's- Nice stuff. Yeah. We don't know what's happening. <laughs> Absolutely. No, 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 there's loads of good stuff going on and it, it, it's a really good point. Well, what genre would you stick this in? Because one of the problems I had when I wrote my book, I was like, yo, where does this fit now? Because I didn't write for any specific genre. So where does yours fit? YA, uh, young adult, urban fantasy. But I also put it into LGBTQ because I have the main character is lesbian. Her two, two of her best friends are gay and trans. And then her other two best friends are straight and her brother who's straight. So I kind of have the whole rainbow there. And I did that because growing up, I had lesbian moms and a gay dad. And I read fantasy books and it was all white straight people. And then what ended up happening is in August of 2019, I was reading different books and my son who was 15 at the time was like, I realized he had just come out as first gay and then he decided no pan fits me better. And I was looking at all these books. My other son was 12 at the time. And I'm like, you know, my 12 year old does not like romance. He just doesn't. My 15 year old can put up with it. So he could read like Patricia Briggs or Lana Andrews or Dresden or like all these other authors that have not a lot of romance, but there's that slight level of romance in there. But my younger son wouldn't like any of that. Urban fantasy, love, the gritty werewolf, love, romance, don't love. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe I, (laughs) I'm a math teacher who's always avoided English classes. Maybe I could write this book. And I didn't tell anyone except for my oldest son. And I wrote maybe six, seven chapters, very different than what is published now. And I called my oldest son. I'm like, read this. And he read that. He's like, that's fantastic. Keep going. And I'm like, okay. And I kept going and I kept going. And I got to the end of the book. Still nobody but my son knew. Nobody. I would do it while watching TV. I would just sit on my computer. And I sent it to a friend of mine who was a librarian. And I said, hey. And she graduated um, 
undergrad with math education with me. So we both had planned on being high school math teachers. And then she decided after like two years, she would rather be a librarian. So she switched degrees, went back to school. Um, ironically, when I left one of my schools, her husband took over in my position. Small world. Um, and I sent it to her and she said, when you publish, I'll put your book in my library. And I went, when I what now? Because this was not at all like what I thought she would say. And so I'm like, well, how do you publish? Maybe I can do it tomorrow. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. So I looked up, how do you publish a book? And the first thing I saw was there were like a bajillion types of editors. And I had no idea what any of it meant. Overwhelmed right away. And the very, like the third website I saw was, you just finished writing the book. You're all happy. Start writing another one. And I had a week before school started. And in that week, I wrote a second book. And so in August of 2019, I wrote both Wolf Healer and Exelon in that month. Then I stopped writing because I had to figure out what to do with these books. I now have two books. And I don't know what to do with them. No one told me the proper speed at which to write a book. And so I kind of half try to figure out what to do with them and half have to go back to work teaching math at university because by then I'm teaching at a university, not at high school. And I'm like, and then I find a writer's group. Someone's like, join a writer's group. And I did. And at first it was great because they kind of helped me figure out what's good and what's bad in my writing. But eventually it ends up being horrible. They end up being just, the advice they give isn't good. Eventually one of them said, you need to find somebody to pre-edit your chapters which is not what a writer's group should tell you to do. And my husband and oldest are in karate. And one of the other people in karate's wife had posted on Facebook, I just wrote my book. I didn't know what that meant. So I reached out to her and two other people who I knew were writers. And she was the one who said, so I didn't, we had very little contact, she and I. And this was probably, uh, 2018 so I'd started in 2017 this is probably wait sorry started in 2019 this was probably 20 2017 20 I don't know this was like a year later and so I reached out to her and I'm like hey this is my situation and she very graciously said yes anytime you need to submit chapters I will pre-edit them this is this would be Angela by the way Okay. And that's how Angela and I started becoming friends was, and this is why she has read everything I've ever written because she has always graciously been willing to look over my work and edit it and give it a cleanup. She is fantastic at it. She is an amazing writer, by the way, but she's also amazing at copy editing and editing in general. Um, and then even after that, that same leader of the group said to me, you, I'm going to start just highlighting your issues and you're going to have to figure out if what I'm highlighting is grammatical, spelling, editor, da, da, da. and he gave me a list of like six things that could be. I'm not going to tell you, you have to figure it out on your own. I'm dyslexic. I physically cannot do that. Like it is not within my makeup to do that. And I was like, 
And I sent it, I wrote this whole letter explaining it. I actually had two people edit it for me to make sure it sounded exactly how I wanted it to sound, respectful, not nasty. And I sent it to him and nothing. He even stopped editing. I said, don't edit my stuff if that's what you're going to do. And he stopped editing my stuff. And then after I had done four more submissions, he sent all of my stuff back doing exactly what he said he would do. So he had ignored my letter. And I was like, and then the next time I had submitted something, some of the people in the writer's group only showed up when their stuff was being discussed. They wouldn't come other weeks because your stuff wasn't submitted every time. So if you were there, your stuff would be looked at once a month, once every six weeks. So this guy came and he's like, I know I haven't seen your stuff, all of the stuff in your book. And I don't know all of the stuff, but maybe you should do this, this, and this, which is stuff that I had done previously in the book. And this one paragraph reads like soggy oatmeal. Can't say I've ever tried to read a, a bowl of soggy oatmeal. What an idiot. But yeah, whoa, what an awful thing to say. We, yeah. And that was when I started looking on Facebook for writer groups. And I actually posted that chapter with the soggy oatmeal. And that's when I found this woman. Um, her name's Catherine. And she read the chapter and she's like, this chapter is actually quite lovely. And I do beta reading. People pay me to beta read, but I offer my services about once every other month for a free beta read. And I will do yours in December. And she has done a lot of publishing like as an independent author. And I go to her with more questions than anybody. And she answers every question I ever ask her. To this day, I'll be like, I don't know what this means. Like, this is what it is. This is what you need to do. She is amazing. And this is why I answer anyone's questions because she has given me so much information that I feel I need to pay it forward. I also got randomly selected by Wes for a free edit on Wolf Healer, right in that same time frame, which was spectacular. I, I, I had so many lucky things happen, meeting Angela, meeting Wes, meeting Catherine, all these wonderful people who are offering, like I offer a free edit every few months and I put my book out and then this big eruption happened oh. about Harry Potter and there was this big transphobic thing and Wes left the page and Wes said, you were the only one who gave a blurb. As long as you're not in transphobic, I'll edit your book. And I'm like, <laughs> I do like take a minute because I sometimes I'm snarky with my answers and I'm like, okay, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm like, actually, there's this bit in my third book. I want to make sure I'm writing it correctly. If you could look at it now. I didn't know Wes at the time. Knowing Wes now, I'm not surprised. They were like, absolutely, send it on over. <laughs> Yeah. And now we are very good friends. Brilliant. Look at that, how it's all worked out. And you had such good points there, especially around, first of all, let's tackle the first point. Um, well, not the first point, but one of the points that you raised there was about having a great circle, you know, a writer's group that you can go to, ask for support and be in a, a, psychological, a psychologically safe environment. Because the thing is, for people starting out, um, it's an interesting old world there. I mean, I created an entirely new Facebook account um, for connecting with authors, with people. And you quickly find and quickly cotton to that people, people are mean, man. Like, you know, you go out there, they'll give you 
feedback that isn't great. They'll go on that they know that you're, they know what they're talking about and you don't. Um, you gave a great example there. You know, saying it reads like soggy oatmeal. That is the worst statement I've ever heard. Because who's trying to sit there and read the cereal? What are you doing? You know what I mean? What do you know about writing books if you're trying to do a lot of silly things to say? Um, now, it's not something that, um, because I was looking for writers groups and that kind of thing and for that whole, you know, basically what you've just been describing there, meeting people, getting key feedback, you know, having someone you can trust to ask opinions around certain things. And yeah, there, there are some absolutely rotten people out there. I'm quite, it didn't, it didn't, uh, wasn't something that quite kind of bothered me too much because I'm quite opinionated. <laughs> so, um, you know, if someone comes at me with something or if they disagree with me, I'm pretty steadfast in going, you're talking rubbish. You know, one of the biggest ones out there is, and one of the, the biggest myths that I like to bust is that a lot of people think that you have to have read 10,000 books in the last 10 years and you have to be, you know, have to have a degree in creative writing and you have to be of a certain social pathway. You don't have to be a certain anything. That, that isn't, there is no requirement, entry requirements to write in a book. Some of the most successful books come from people who aren't educated in any way, shape or form around literary uh, material, including me. I'm not uh, at all, aside from a half-hearted GCSE when I was a teenager, that's that's it. Um, so no, no one should ever be afraid or feel like they they've not got the valid um, the validity um, validity. There we go. He's got that word out. See, that's what I'm talking about. Words are hard. Uh, yeah, all the time. Words are hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to. There's no entry requirements to it at all. You've got to do is have a good idea, a bit of passion, the right mindset to follow it through and, you know, be determined, prepare to accept some setbacks, be prepared to accept some feedback because feedback, critical feedback is one of the biggest gifts you can get. It might not feel like it at the time, but it, it really is. But no, I'm, I'm with you on that. There's no entry requirements. Um, you have to have the ego when people giving you feedback. As long as the feedback is about your writing and not about you oh yeah yeah 100 there's a lot of people out there that give opinions so if someone says to me you know like if someone comes to me and said with my book like your book's rubbish i'd be like right okay moving on uh you know there's nothing there but if they say well i was i didn't like your book and here's why i'd, I'd listen to that but yeah no but you go on your head you, you tell me why you didn't like it and if they've got some constructive parts as to this, that, and the other, I'd absolutely listen to it 100%. Um, it has I got to a two-star on one of my books that I wrote under my pen name. And they're like, this character does this, 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 and this. And I'm like, um, well, no, this character does this and this. And the other character does this and this. Because if that first character did all of those things, that would make no sense. Like, did you read the book? Did you skim the book? Did you... Do you know what? <laughs> and that's the only review that book has. Like the only written review came from this one person who wrote this like two star review. And I'm just like, like, I don't, yeah, it's fine if you don't like the book. It's fine if you're going to write something out, but at least have the facts correct. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely with you on that and that they're one of the things i think that's what that's one of the things you kind of have to accept you have to accept that the general population on this planet are stupid uh and there's not a lot you can do about it <laughs> um you know these things these things definitely definitely come up but yeah um meaningful feedback have no ego 
I critique a lot of people in the writing. Like people always ask, like, will you beta read? Will you alpha read? Will you critique something? And sometimes I'll read something and I'm, I, I'm very honest. I try to help people and I'll say like, this needs to be fixed and this doesn't make sense and this doesn't have a good flow. And I really get in and give my time and effort into the critique. And I'm always worried what people will do because I've had over the years, I mean, I have a teacher background and a teacher background critiques are very honest. It's not English, but it's still. And sometimes I'll have people come back and they'll be like, thank you. I'll, I'll really look into this and try to grow and try to fix things. But like, I remember once there was this woman who wrote this book and she's like, this book is amazing and I want to publish it in like a month. I'm so excited. I'm like, okay. And I started reading it and it was, it was rubbish. It, it just was, it was awful. And like none of this person also came from education. And when you write education documents, you don't ever turn your words into contractions. They are, I am, I will. And so for a while I was fixing them and then I would just like highlight them. And, um, and that's small, but also like the flow of the book, the characters didn't make sense. Like the story arcs wouldn't make sense. And like at the end, I actually wrote out a document, like a two page document of like things that needed to be fixed. And I'm pretty sure she just threw away all of my edits, all my changes and ignored it all and blocked me on Facebook because she just wanted to publish it. She's like, you don't understand the genre. I'm like, you don't understand that this book is bad. Like you need to fix these things. It needs to be fixed. I read everything. I write urban fantasy. I write paranormal romance. I read literally everything except for gore. I downloaded a book once from this page where you can like write reviews for each other. And the first book I downloaded was gore. And I got through the first two chapters and I'm like, nope, not going to happen. No, that's it. No, it's, it's been interesting for me because I've been dipping into categories and genres that I typically I wouldn't have gone through before. Um, and I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll come back to that in, in a second, actually. There's a good point. You know, I think adventuring through stuff that you usually wouldn't is always a good idea because you can pick up some really great ideas. Feedback and taking critique um, is a big thing. When I was doing my book, I had this. I had a couple of people eyes over it. And I had one person in particular who went through and gave me critical feedback. Someone who knows me really well. Um, very intelligent uh, young man who did it for me. And he went through and he'd be really honest and brutally blunt with a lot of the stuff, which is absolutely what you need. Because if you if you have that sudden sense of being a people pleaser and you're like, oh, I, I might upset them if I give that feedback. That's actually the most toxic thing you can do is, is to, to lean away from it. Um, and he left, he left a note on what an entire chapter. And all it said was, this whole thing feels lazy. That was it. He said, there's build up to this and it feels lazy. And that was all he put on it. And I rewrote the whole thing. I was gutted. Like I was looking at it, I was thinking, that's an entire chapter I've got to rewrite, but all the better for it. Cause the one that went in to replace it was 10 times better. So yeah, I think taking feedback is a big thing. You've got to be able to do that and accept it and, and be able to differentiate between that and an opinion as well. But once you get a trusted circle of people that you deal with, that makes life 10 times easier. And that's just something you pick up after 
going out and, and doing that and and that, and that kind of thing. Um, touching on the next point that you mentioned there, going into genres that you wouldn't typically go into. So your book is a genre that I typically wouldn't have gone into. But I'm quite open-minded and I'm always looking for ideas and not to pinch yours, of course, but to go through and see the different perspectives and that sort of thing. I find writing in the first person incredibly difficult. So I don't, I tend not to do that. Nearly everything that I do is in third person. So I'm always keen to read them. Anyway, your book, there's werewolves in there. It's urban fantasy. It's that kind of thing. And if you say that, some people might think, oh, Twilight, stuff like that. I hate Twilight. Twilight's garbage. It's, 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 I'm sorry. If you were in it, you contributed to it, you love it, sort your head out um, and, and <laughs> decent because it's it's so bad. But there's none of that that screams from your book. And it's very well written. It's very well executed. The character relationships are really, really good. The dialogue is good. Dialogue is a big thing for me because I like to imagine these conversations taking place and where they're taking place. And you really, really squared that off. Um, the other thing that I like in there as well is the um, LBGT theme that you've got in there. Now, a lot of stuff these are because LBGT is, is a big theme. It's, it's near enough a genre on its own. You know, now you can literally just search by that now. You find with a lot of stuff where it's very thick on that, it can become the central theme for absolutely everything and it kind of lacks substance. You end up with that and it can be bland and boring. Yours absolutely isn't like that. Encapsulated, encapsulates it very nicely. And one of my favourite things, when I got to the end of it, the sense of acceptance and belonging amongst the characters was something that really stood out to me. And I find that really exciting. That's a, and that, that's a hard thing to do, you know, not to literate with with nonsense and that kind of thing it's an interesting point actually around the whole lbgc thing because um at first i denied this existed um until i went around and, and did a bit of research and then was confronted by someone i quickly found that actually does exist that um there's this kind of hard left this like alt left now that seems to exist now i was like now nah, because i'm a bit of a lefty i'm all about the people man um that's kind of where my political stance is but uh i was told about these people who are very, very, very far left, whereby it's like, if you're not gay or lesbian or, you know, anything like that, that you have no right even to discuss the topic. So I'm a heterosexual white man. So therefore, to, to some of these people, I have no right even to talk about it, to write about it, to do a review about it or anything like that, which is just nonsense. Like, it's absolutely there to be talked about and discussed by everybody. Isn't that the point? Um, so moving back to the point of your book, your book squares it off and encapsulates it very nicely. And it's not, there's no sickly aspects to it. There's no tell aspects to it. It just builds into it really well. If everybody only wrote what they were, we would be back to the boring, awful books of like yesteryear. Yeah. The uh, thing is, if you're writing, if you wrote gay characters and you didn't know much about the LGBTQ community, just have somebody read it. Have Wes read it. Wes is a great sensitivity editor. Have some sensitivity editor read it. Brings us back to I, I, I mean, I grew up in like, like I said, my moms were lesbians, my dad was gay, my son is pansexual or panromantic. I, 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 this is kind of the world I was brought up in. It's, everywhere around me it, it's what I wanted in my book and just as you said it I didn't want it to be forefront I just wanted it to be kind of the backdrop I just wanted it to be there 
I didn't want it to be like in your face. I just wanted it to be kind of how it is when you're walking around in the world. It's there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and that overriding sense of acceptance as well that comes into that. Of who all these people are. Like what I know. <laughs> I was brought up in an accepting world. Um, in book four, four, five, and six, when Jade heads off to college, um, she will run into people outside of her pack because she's off at college and it'll still be in the same realm of LGBTQ, but not everyone will have accepting families. And so she'll run into this where parents weren't accepting people who are either not in the closet or they're in the closet or just coming out or have kept things from parents. And so it four, five, and six kind of explore the other side because one, two, and three are very encapsulating in a world that is very accepting because A, I was writing what I knew and B, the pack just happens to be very accepting. But four, five, and six does kind of show that other side. I was just going to say that the pack being accepting most of the time, <laughs> most of the people there. Um, Fair. And, the, and those that are there but yeah absolutely no it's it's, it's 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 a great point to put in i think it's i good. did like the idea of they're accepting of trans they're accepting of lesbian but they aren't accepting of everything because there's always something that the older generations just doesn't quite get yeah exactly so like, have that theme in there yeah it's like me with twilight fans i can't accept twilight fans um there's always something <laughs> there's always something right yeah, absolutely. No, I'm just kidding. If you, but by the way, this is a joke. If you like Twilight, then that's fine. I mean, don't watch it around me, but uh, or read it. But yeah, you'll be, you'll be. be able no, they can read it around you. You can't hear them reading unless no. they have to read it out loud. Because never mind. Um. <laughs> no. Yeah, no fair point. Take your point on board. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we've squared that off. So in terms of your books, then the ones that are released, the ones upcoming one, where can people buy them from? Um, so you can find them on Amazon um, or you can request them at bookstores. They are like, I've had people go to Barnes and Noble and request Barnes and Noble order them for them because um, you have to be on Ingram Spark for bookstores to be able to order them. And I do have my books on Ingram Spark. So if you don't like Amazon and you want to avoid Am Amazon, you can go to the bookstore and say, hey, order this book for me. And they can do that. Fabulous. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's uh, available on Kindle as well. Mm -hmm. If people want to do that. Yeah, great stuff. It's always a bit of a sore, a sore topic with Amazon, really, isn't it? Because it's uh, it's a bit of a, fin a funny thing with authors. It's a, it's a bit can be a bit of a pain to manage. Sorry, Amazon or anyone that's works there, you, like you're listening to it. It can be a pain to navigate it, sort it out, and your fees are astronomical. Um, but yeah, I have all these books in my house and in my car. I'm like a traveling salesperson. <laughs> I have bags of my books in my car. Um, on Amazon, it's a little bit more expensive than what I sell sell in person, and people are like, "But you're not getting as much." I'm like, actually. Yeah. The way Amazon charges is robbery. And I get like $2 if you buy it off of Amazon. But if you buy it from me for a lower price, I actually get more profit. Um, 
Yeah. If you leave a review, it's not a verified purchase, but that's okay. You could just go to Goodreads and leave a review. But so few people leave reviews anyway. I'm like, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, you kind of get on with it. And the, at the end of the day, they do own the market for it. You know what I mean? There's a massive market from them. And I'm sure they'll change it. I'm sure it will edit. I'm sure they'll listen to people and they'll, you know, they'll make it easier and better at some point. But, um, but yeah, Goodreads as well. Anyone who's not familiar with Goodreads, just Google that and check it out. Because Goodreads is actually pretty slick. Um, good side of Amazon. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so that's all pretty slick. Um, I'm pretty sure I've covered off most things that I was going to waffle away to you. But oh, well, no, sorry, I'll tell you what, there's one thing we haven't covered off because we talked about where your influence comes from. It was going to be one of my questions, but you've answered that anyway. Amazing. What were the books that have been most influential to you prior being to a writer? When, when did reading come in for you? What were the most influential? When I was a kid, um, I didn't read. I didn't think of myself as a reader. Um, I remember I was going to a Star Trek convention and we're, my mom and I were taking a bus and she handed me Anne McCaffrey, Dragon Riders of Fern. And I started with that and then I headed over to uh, Miriam Zimmer Bradley. If we were in my bedroom, I have bookcases lining the walls of my room that used to be my mom's full of all of her old um, fantasy books. And her big thing was she wanted heroine. So women author, female-led books. And I have just tons of books in there. Um, now that I'm older, my favorite authors are uh, Patricia Briggs, Alona Andrews. Um, I like Jim Butcher's Dresden series. I like Kevin Hearn, Iron Druid. I didn't love how it ended. And my husband's always like, well, he did tell you in like book two how it was going to end. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> until then. Um, I listened to a lot of books on audio tape. It's funny, I've read a book and listened to it and being dyslexic, they're a little bit different. Um, I know this because I once read a paragraph and I thought it was hilarious. And then I read it out loud to my husband and it was a little bit different than what I read to myself. And I was like, oh my God, dyslexia, it's your friend. Um, and I have an hour commute. So I listen to books on tape when I um, drive to work or if I go grocery shopping, I'm always listening to books on tape. I love them. Books on tape, ha, huh, audiobooks. Um, so Iron Druid is lovely as an audio book because the person who reads does such a good job with the dog and the dog is like the best character. And if you don't know Iron Druid, um, he is this 2000 year old Druid who has bound his consciousness to his um, Irish wolfhound and they talk and the Irish wolfhound is hilarious and so he'll be like in this really tense situation like fighting a bad guy and the bad guy will say something the dog will be like oh my god he needs to say that with like a soundtrack he can't just do that <laughs> and the main character will be like Atticus, or Oberon I'm in the middle of a fight you can't just say that I need to focus but Atticus you heard what he just said and the person who reads does such a good job with the dog it it's hilarious so as an audiobook it's great there's right. one of the um rick riordan series that is i think better as an audiobook as well the one that's um the egyptian series because it's based on them talking into a tape to record their stories and so when you listen to it as an audiobook it's hilarious because the whole idea is them talking into a tape to transcribe their adventures 
No, no, absolutely. There's a, a very quick point as well before we wrap it up. There's a lot of people out there that are audiobook snobs. So people who snub audiobooks, that's not a proper way to read or anything. It's nonsense. Audiobooks are amazing. I love a good audiobook. I love reading. Audiobooks are brilliant. I can listen to them in the car if I'm out for a run whatever it's absolutely great and some of the people that read them are so talented you know the, the way that they they read the voices that sort of thing there's some people out there that do them the garbage and you can still enjoy the book but um no audiobooks for the win man for sure absolutely I do audiobooks i do regular books i do kindle i'll be reading a ton of books at the same time i just yeah until i started writing i probably did 100 books a year i'm probably down to about 40 to 50 because i'm reading beta reading, alpha reading, critique reading, writing, reading my own stuff. It cut back my pleasure reading a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, that makes total sense. Total sense. Well, perfect. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, thank you very, very much for joining me. And what I'm going to do as well, this one, I was umming and ahhing whether to do this as video and audio. Well, well, we're going to be doing this as audio because I've been watching my cameras from doing this and it's rubbish. The way it picks up light is garbage. So anyway, it'll be audio. No one will be missing anything with, with not having me on there anyway. Um, so perfect. Um, thank you for joining us. If you listen to this, brilliant. All the links for uh, Huckle's books will be on this. So you'll be able to jump on there, buy them, check out some of the short stories on the website. Thank you very much for joining me. It's been great. It's been lovely being on. Perfect. Enjoy your tea. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Absolutely perfect. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. Remember to head over to bookcream.co.uk and also check out my novel, The Commodore and the Matterless Martyr. It's got a bit of sci-fi in there, a bit of fantasy. It's a timeless novel designed to challenge the moral compass and perceptions of the reader. It's a very, very, well, very much a layered read. Check it out on the website. I won't go on about it anymore to you guys, but it's well worth checking. It's available on Amazon and Kindle Unlimited as well. Thank you.